Welcome to Catholic Light. Join me, Becca Doherty, each week as we shed a little light while keeping the conversation light. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Catholic Light. Thanks for joining me. Uh, over the last week or so, as I've been doing Lexio Divina, this line struck me a couple times, and I thought of you, dear listeners, and how it, it could be helpful or instructive for your prayer life as well. So about a week ago, it was the reading, well, it was the Feast of St. James, uh, so July 25th, and the gospel passage is from Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, and the mother of James and John, who, when I think about this woman, I'm like, that's a good woman right there, comes before the Lord and says, Lord, could you please seat my sons at your right and your left when you come into your heavenly kingdom? <laughs> like, wow, that, that's bold. That's a bold mom right there. But how beautiful. She loves her sons. She you know, knows and loves the Lord and wants them close to him, let's say. Let's assume the best. And uh, wants them in positions of authority with him. So Jesus turns to her and he simply says, what do you wish? So prior to that, it says, wishing to ask him for something. The mother of James and John approaches the Lord. He looks at her and says, what do you wish? So I was praying one morning with this gospel passage, and I thought, ooh, I imagine Jesus saying that to me. What do you wish? And it's kind of cool, simple, and very compelling. All right, Lord, what do I want to ask you? And I, th I think initially, uh, I'll just speak for myself, initially, you know, I think of kind of like the, the light, superficial things. Well, Lord, Lucy's 10 months, and I still have 10 pounds of pregnancy on me. I can't fit into my genes. So please help me lose that weight. And then, you know, I go a little deeper. And Lord, please help me to be more patient with my children. I find as, you know, I'm tired and the summer's really fun, but filled with lots of activities where, you know, I'm a little worn down from time to time. And I find myself being impatient or, you know, seeing these little looks on these precious little faces like, Mom, why did you talk to me that way? So Lord, please help me to be more patient. I pray for patience. What do you wish for? I wish for more patience with my children. And then I start to think of, of other relationships. You know, Lord, please um, help me to be a better sister, a better friend, a better daughter. Please help me to be a better Christian, a better witness. Um, and then, you know, as I continue to pray with it, I think, Lord, please help me to not only be a, a better Christian, a better witness, but a better daughter of you. Please help me to access well all the the gifts and, and talents and graces you've given me to use them well and to live this life well to to live uh, deeply and richly and profoundly that you may pour every little grace into every little nook and cranny of my life and and radiate your your life and your love in and through me so I'm praying with this thinking about this for a couple of days and then wouldn't you know this Sunday's gospel. Uh, so by the time this airs, yesterday's gospel, um, excuse me, not the gospel, the first reading from First Kings, uh, the Lord comes before Solomon and says, here I wrote down the exact line, God says to Solomon, ask something of me and I will give it to you. Ask something of me and I will give it to you. And I thought, ooh, this is a beautiful theme this week uh, coming to us through the, the New Testament and the Old Testament. And it was striking to me because oftentimes I think um, I think of and I think many of us or the world thinks of us coming before God like, you know, please do this and please answer that. And we kind of have a laundry list. And through these scripture passages, God is coming to us and saying like, hey, I'm here. What do you want? And as we think about that and pray through that, I think by the grace of God, 
um, our intentions, our requests can be purified over time. And by the grace of God, we come to, Lord, I just really want you. And I want uh, the life that you have for me. And so please help me to receive that well. So my prayer for each of us, for myself, for each of you, is that we can think about that, pray with that, and just come before the Lord each day and imagine him asking us, what do you wish? Ask something of me and I will give it to you. And that we can honestly chat with him and be open to receive all that he wishes to give, give to us. So speaking of, uh, you know, praying for patience with my children, we, over the last week or two, last week, we hosted a neighborhood block party, and it was really fun. Um, lots of people came out for it. And a couple hours before, you know, I thought of a couple things I needed to get for the party. So I took the kids to the grocery store, and, um, you know, they're hanging on the cart and whatever, wanting to, Mom, can I also get this, and can we buy that? And, you know, I got to a point where I said to them, I said, guys, I love you, but please do not talk to me for the next 10 minutes. Actually, I'll just tell you when you can talk to me. So right as I'm saying this to my small children, um, a friend, Sandy, and her daughter, Tara, so shout out to Sandy and, and Tara McGuigan, uh, listeners of Catholic Light Podcast, they, they walk up in the grocery store right as I'm saying this to my children. I said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You just witnessed my mom fail of impatience. <laughs> As I'm saying this to her, I look down the gentleman, uh, there's a gentleman restocking shelves, and he kind of giggles to himself. I said, oh, you heard that too? <laughs> well, sorry, and uh, thank you, Lord, for this moment of humility, where I'm caught in the act of my impatience, and, uh, you know, God bless each of you, God bless my children, and Lord, give me, give me more patience. So, um, yeah, let's come before the Lord this week and, and just ask him to give us all that he wishes to give us. And as we just honestly chat through, you know, imagine God asking, like, what do you wish? Ask anything and I will give it to you. What, what's in our hearts? What are we bringing before the Lord each day? What do we truly desire? And then, Lord, we ask that you, that you purify that desire. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about the precepts of the church. There are five precepts or basic let's say, requirements of our Catholic faith. And I'd like to approach it from uh, the perspective of th this is this is kind of the, how do you say, it? it's the bare minimum uh, that God asks us through the church to do each year. But let's think of it um, as God reaching out to us and, and saying, okay, do these things to at least stay connected to me and to the life of grace so that you don't wander off straight too far and basically lose uh, this life of grace, all that I have for you. So let's look at paragraph 2041. Paragraph 2041, just under the heading, the precepts of the church says, the precepts of the church are set in the context of a moral life bound to and nourished by liturgical life. The obligatory character of these positive laws decreed by the pastoral authorities is meant to guarantee to the faithful the very necessary minimum in the spirit of prayer and moral effort in the growth and love of God and neighbor. So the very necessary minimum um, is, is wrapped up in or contained in these five precepts of the church. Paragraphs 2042 through 2043 goes on to then list the five precepts of the church. So the first precept um, says that we shall attend Mass every Sunday and, and keep holy days of obligation. So notice it's not necessarily receiving the Eucharist if we're not um, in a state of a state of grace. We're not 
ready to receive the Eucharist, uh, Jesus through the church says, still come to Mass every Sunday and every holy day of obligation. The second precept says, go to confession at least once a year. The third precept then says, receive the Eucharist during at least once and make that during the Easter season. So if you're if we're not in a life of grace, if we're, in, if we're in a state of mortal sin and can't receive the Eucharist, go to confession at least once a year and then receive the Eucharist at least once during the Easter season. The fourth precept then uh, asks us to, commands us to, uh, observe the days of fasting and abstinence. So this will be during the Easter season, uh, Ash Wednesday, Good Friday, and then all the Fridays in Lent. Um, observe the days of fasting and abstinence. And then the fifth precept says to help provide for the needs of the church. So financially, spiritually, help provide for the church and then all those within the church. So this is the, the very necessary minimum. If we do nothing else, do these five things. And as I think about this, as I read this in the catechism, I think of I'm in a stage of life where um, my kids are, uh, you know, the pediatrician says to schedule well visits. At first for Lucy, you know, up to I think it's about age two, two and a half, you know, you go first like every month and then every two months and then every three months and then I think by two and a half well, by three years old, you're then going once a year for, for a well visit. So I just took Lucy for her, it was like a nine-month well visit, and Sophia for her seven-year well visit. And, you know, some well visits include vaccinations, some just include, will all include, you know, checking their heart, their breathing, um, their spine, et cetera. And it's a great, just built-in, you know, schedule this and we'll catch anything that might be amiss throughout the year or over the course of a couple months. Um, so it's like a built-in, don't go too far. Don't let your health, you know, get too far out of whack, but come regularly and, you know, we'll check in and, and catch anything that, that might be wrong. One of our most fruitful well visits came actually when Sophia went to the dentist just for a regular checkup and cleaning. And the dentist looked down her throat and said, Dear God, how does this girl breathe? Her tonsils were so big um, that the the dentist said, "Does she have apnea? Like, do you do you hear her sleeping and then like she stops breathing for a moment? Does she sweat in the middle of the night? Does she, um, you know, she she listed off that rattled off this this list of things? And we were like, yes, yes, yes. She said, I would really recommend um, you taking her to the the pediatric doctor to have her tonsils removed. Um, because if you don't by a certain age, then, you know, her, her jaw, her face will grow in a certain way to accommodate this breathing and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we took Sophia to have her tonsils out. She now sleeps peacefully, deeply, no sleep apnea. And so we're so grateful. God bless you, Dr. Patel, for uh, this well visit that caught something that was amiss and now has been rectified and provides for a more healthy, happy little life. So we can think of these precepts in terms of, let's say, well visits or maybe very simply like um, 
uh, a plug being connected to an outlet, being plugged into an outlet where there's this steady stream or this availability for a steady stream of not electricity, but grace. And um, whether or not you're changing the light bulb in the lamp or, you know, fixing up some other electrical work in the electrical appliance, at least that plug is connected to the wall, connected to the electricity. So the opportunity for electricity or grace uh, is available. There's We haven't been disconnected completely, but at a, a bare minimum, the very necessary minimum, uh, we are connected to that quote-unquote electricity or, or life of grace. I also think of, as we talk about this, I think about a, a friend who years ago, she would uh, go to confession anytime she was about to get on a flight, thinking that if God forbid I die, at least I went to confession, I'm right with God, so that I'm ready to meet him. And the way she described it, it sounded almost a little superstitious. Um, you know, confession was just part of the the travel arrangements. But over time, she then extended that to, she thought, you know what, I might as well get right with God or get a little scrubbed up, cleaned up before Christmas and then before Easter. And then over time, she started regularly going to confession. And I think of that um, with gratitude to God and, and uh, you know, God bless her for, for taking that initiative. Um, you know, being connected to that life of grace maybe at a superstitious level or like a, a fearful level at first before she got on flights, led to ultimately regular confession where now this life of grace, uh, this life of forgiveness, healing, cleansing is abundantly uh, a part of her life. As in all things with the prescriptions, the rules, the laws of the church, this is not the patriarchy. Um, speaking of which, I don't know, I have not seen the Barbie movie, but I was just chatting with friends who had seen it. And um, they said, you know, something about the, and these were these were young, young friends who had gone to see the movie. They said something about, you know, well, it's really about the patriarchy. I said, do they say the word patriarchy in the movie? And the girl said, yeah, like they, they say it a lot, actually. So the the moral life of the church, the prescriptions, the laws, the rules of the church, it's not about the patriarchy just telling us what to do. Do this and make sure you observe that. And if you don't, then you're in trouble or you're you're out with God. But the precepts of the church, all rules of the church, are meant to keep us connected to the life of grace, open to all that God wishes to give us, and to make it such that um, you know we, we can't stray too far when we get off track, because we will, um, because life is hard and lots of things are, are thrown in our each of our directions. When we get off track, then shunk, these precepts bring us back, bring us back, purify us, cleanse us, strengthen us, and you know, bring us back to the, the life of God, the beautiful life that he wishes to give to each and every one of us. So as we think through those five concepts, so you shall attend Mass and observe Holy Days of Obligation. Also, uh, let's go back to that paragraph. 2042 says, the first precept, you shall attend Mass on Sundays and on Holy Days of Obligation and rest from servile labor. So part of keeping holy the Sabbath is not only going to Mass, but also resting from servile labor, which this this is one of my um, my biggest weaknesses. I'm, I'm constantly in a mode of, of to-do and, and checking off, you know, checking things off my list. Uh, Sunday, God invites us, commands us 
to rest, which is like a little bit like, oh, if I just like do like two more things, then I can rest. But isn't that the story of life? There's always going to be two more things, three more things, and then we'll be able to rest. Uh, But as as life would have it, then two or three more things arise. So I have actually personally, because this is a struggle of mine, um, I have told God that Anything that's on a checklist of mine, whether it's a physical checklist or a mental checklist, I won't do on Sunday. So if I need to, you know, pay some bills or finish that laundry and it's on, again, a physical or a mental to-do list, I cannot do that. I, I tell myself, I tell God, I won't do that on Sunday. And again, trying to flip that perspective from, you know, the world or, or many thinking and saying like, oh, the church is saying like, do this or God's saying like, don't do that. God's inviting us here, commanding us here to take a vacation once a week. Every Sunday he's saying, hey, cool it, rest, enjoy, relax. Okay, all those things will continue to swirl about us. That'll be there on Monday. It'll get done if it needs to. It won't if it doesn't. But in the meantime, hey, take a break. Read that book you've been meaning to read. Go for that run you've been dying to, you know, run and and rest. Um, recently, maybe like two or three Sundays ago, we went to Mass in the morning. It was a rainy day. And then we we really just like kind of sat around. We watched, uh, we're, we're big into that Netflix show right now, Is It Cake?, where people make cakes that look like other physical objects, so like a suitcase or a shoe, and then um, the host like cuts through the shoe, and you discover like, oh my gosh, it's a it's a cake. Um, so we watched a couple episodes of Is It Cake, and as we're resting, we're chatting. At one point, I read, and then I fell asleep on the couch. Um, Peter says he looks around like perplexed at what's going on. He said, uh, "Are we about to pray a rosary?" So we we pray a rosary. We try to pray a rosary each night as a family. I said, "No, Peter, we're just relaxing." A couple minutes later, he goes, Mom, are we all going to take naps on the couch? I said, no, you can if you want to, but we're just relaxing. He asked a third something, like, like basically, like, what are we doing? I turned to Dan. I said, oh, my gosh, this is such a foreign concept to Peter, us just stopping, resting, and not doing, doing, going, going, that he doesn't know, like, what's going on. (laughs) So clearly, I need to work on this. So, Lord, give me the grace to rest from servile labor and, and keep holy the Sabbath. Um, so each of these these five precepts keeps us connected to the life of grace, uh, specifically the sacraments of confession and the Eucharist, uh, keeps us connected to the Paschal mystery. So that fourth precept, observe the days of fasting and abstinence. Um, it keeps us connected to all that's going on in the Paschal mystery, which is the suffering, death, and resurrection, specifically highlighted in the liturgy of the church in the uh, first Lenten and then Easter seasons. And then lastly, that fifth precept to help to provide for the needs of the church, um, I think is very practical and a very good basic thing that no matter where we are in in our relationship with the church, so perhaps we're mad at... Um, you know, the church for the the sex abuse scandal, or we think that like, wow, I am just not receiving good preaching, or, you know, we're, we we could really use a better youth and young adult ministry at our parish, whatever it is, our, our gripes or our, our hangups with the church. It's a great reminder that, that the church um, is comprised of composed of, yeah, people who, so the, the priests and the deacons and the bishops who, uh, need to pay for putting the lights on and you know right now we're in the summertime to 
running the air conditioning so that we can receive the Eucharist, go to confession so that our priests can be fed in the rectory to then bring us the sacraments and, you know, minister to the people of the church. So no matter where we are in our relationship with the church, I think that fifth precept is a good reminder that like, hey, we need to participate in the practicalities of the life of our church because we are, let's say at a bare minimum, um, receiving those hosts, those wafers that are consecrated into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And those wafers need to be produced and bought and paid for so that we can then receive them. So let's end this first half of the episode, first half of the episode, with a prayer for the grace to observe not only the these five basic precepts of the church, but that we pray that, that God will open us up to receive all the more that he wishes to give us. So in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we thank you for coming to us as a human being. We thank you for the, the gift, the grace, the incredible blessing of the incarnation. We thank you for founding a, a physical church uh, for us to be a part of and through which we can continue to receive your, your truth and your grace. And we pray for the grace to observe these five precepts, these this, this bare minimum, these basics of, of our faith. Um, and we pray that we will always remain connected to the life of grace and that that grace will lead us to the more, um, the more truth, the more beauty, the more goodness that you have for each and every one of us. And we thank you for these many blessings. We pray that you'll continue to protect and guide us, protect and guide our family and friends. And we offer this up in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, we'll now take a brief break, return on the second half of the episode to read paragraphs 2030 through 2051. Thanks for sticking around. You are listening to Catholic Light. Thank you for joining me each week as we read through the Catechism of the Catholic Church and discuss some of its beautiful teachings. Hi, and welcome back. We'll now read paragraphs 2030 through 2051 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Article 3, The Church, Mother and Teacher. It is in the Church, in communion with all the baptized, that the Christian fulfills his vocation. From the Church he receives the Word of God containing the teachings of the law of Christ. From the Church he receives the grace of the sacraments that sustains him on the way. From the church, he learns the example of holiness and recognizes its model and source in the all-holy Virgin Mary. He discerns it in the authentic witness of those who live it. He discovers it in the spiritual tradition and long history of the saints who have gone before him and whom the liturgy celebrates in the rhythms of the sanctural cycle. The moral life is spiritual worship. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, within the body of Christ that we form and in communion with the offering of his Eucharist. In the liturgy and the celebration of the sacraments, prayer and teaching are conjoined with the grace of Christ to enlighten and nourish Christian activity. As does the whole life of, excuse me, the whole of the Christian life, the moral life finds its source and summit in the Eucharistic sacrifice. Moral life in the magisterium of the church. The church, the pillar and bulwark of the truth, has received the solemn command of Christ from the apostles to announce the saving truth. To the church belongs the right always and everywhere to announce moral principles, including those pertaining to the social order, and to make judgments on any human affairs to the extent that they are required by the fundamental rights of the human person or the salvation of souls. 
the magisterium of the pastors of the church in moral matters is ordinarily exercised in catechesis and preaching with the help of the works, works of theologians and spiritual authors. Thus, from generation to generation, under the aegis and vigilance of the pastors, the deposit of Christian moral teaching has been handed on, a deposit composed of a characteristic body of rules, commandments, and virtues proceeding from faith in Christ and animated by charity. Alongside the Creed and the Our Father, the basis for this catechesis has traditionally been the Decalogue, which sets out the principles of moral life valid for all men. The Roman pontiff and the bishops are authentic teachers, that is, teachers endowed with the authority of Christ, who preach the faith to the people entrusted to them, the faith to be believed and put into practice. The ordinary and universal magisterium of the Pope and the bishops in communion with him teach the faithful the truth to believe, the charity to practice, the beatitude to hope for. The supreme degree of participation in the authority of Christ is ensured by the charism of infallibility. This infallibility extends as far as does to the deposit of divine revelation. It also extends to all those elements of doctrine, including morals, without which the saving truths of the faith cannot be preserved, explained, or observed. The authority of the magisterium extends also to the specific precepts of the natural law because their observance, demanded by the Creator, is necessary for salvation. In recalling the prescriptions of the natural law, the magisterium of the church exercises an essential part of its prophetic office of proclaiming to men what they truly are and reminding them of what they should be before God. The law of God entrusted to the church is taught to the faithful as the way of life and truth. The faithful, therefore, have the right to be instructed in the divine saving precepts that purify judgment and, with grace, heal wounded human reason. They have the duty of observing the constitutions and decrees conveyed by the legitimate authority of the church. Even if they concern disciplinary matters, these determinations call for docility in charity. In the work of teaching and applying Christian morality, the church needs the dedication of pastors, the knowledge of theologians, and the contribution of all Christians and men of goodwill. Faith and the practice of the gospel provide each person with an experience of life in Christ, who enlightens him and makes him able to evaluate the divine and human realities according to the Spirit of God. Thus, the Holy Spirit can use the humblest to enlighten the learned and those in the highest positions. Ministry should be exercised in a spirit of fraternal service and dedication to the church in the name of the Lord. At the same time, the conscience of each person should avoid confining itself to individual individualistic considerations in its moral judgments of the person's own acts. As far as possible, conscience should take account of the good of all, as expressed in the moral law, natural and revealed, and consequently in the law of the church and in the authoritative teaching of the magisterium on moral questions. Personal conscience and reason should not be set in opposition to the moral law or the magisterium of the church. Thus, a true filial spirit toward the church can develop among Christians. It is the normal flowering of the baptismal grace which has begotten us in the womb of the church and made us members of the body of Christ. In her motherly care, the church grants us the mercy of God, which prevails over all our sins and is especially at work in the sacrament of reconciliation. With a mother's foresight, she also lavishes on us day after day in her liturgy the nourishment of the word and Eucharist of the Lord. The precepts of the church. The precepts of the church are set in the context of a moral life bound to and nourished by liturgical life. 
the obligatory character of these positive laws decreed by the pastoral authorities is meant to guarantee to the faithful the very necessary minimum in the spirit of prayer and moral effort, in the growth and love of God and neighbor. The first precept, you shall attend Mass on Sundays and on holy days of obligation and rest from servile labor, requires the faithful to sanctify the day commemorating the resurrection of the Lord, as well as the principal liturgical feasts honoring the mysteries of the Lord, the Blessed Virgin Mary, and the saints. In the first place, by participating in the Eucharistic celebration in which the Christian community is gathered, and by resting from those works and activities which could impede such a sanctification of these days. The second precept, you shall confess your sins at least once a year, ensures preparation for the Eucharist by the reception of the Sacrament of Reconciliation, which continues baptism's work of conversion and forgiveness. The third precept, you shall receive the Sacrament of the Eucharist at least during the Easter season, guarantees as a minimum the reception of the Lord's body and blood in connection with the Paschal Feasts, the origin and center of the Christian liturgy. The fourth precept, you shall observe the days of fasting and abstinence established by the Church, ensures the times of ascesis and penance, which prepare us for the liturgical feasts and help us acquire mastery over our instincts and freedom of heart. The fifth precept, you shall help to provide for the needs of the Church, means that the faithful are obliged to assist with the material needs of the Church, each according to his own ability. The faithful also have the duty of providing for the material needs of the Church, each according to his abilities. Moral Life and Missionary Witness The fidelity of the baptized is a primordial condition for the proclamation of the gospel and for the church's mission in the world. In order that the message of salvation can show the power of its truth and radiance before men, it must be authenticated by the witness of the life of Christians. The witness of a Christian life and good works done in a supernatural spirit have great power to draw men to the faith and to God. Because they are members of the body whose head is Christ, Christians contribute to building up the church by the constancy of their convictions and their moral lives. The church increases, grows, and develops through the holiness of her faithful until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. By living with the mind of Christ, Christians hasten the coming of the reign of God, a kingdom of justice, love, and peace. They do not, for all that, abandon their earthly tasks. Faithful to their master, they fulfill them with uprightness, patience, and love. In brief, the moral life is a spiritual worship. Christian activity finds its nourishment in the liturgy and the celebration of the sacraments. The precepts of the church concern the moral and Christian life united with the liturgy and nourished by it. The magisterium of the pastors of the church in moral matters is ordinarily exercised in catechesis and preaching, on the basis of the Decalogue, which states the principles of moral life valid for every man. The Roman pontiff and the bishops, as authentic teachers, preach to the people of God the faith which is to be believed and applied in moral life. It is also incumbent on them to pronounce on moral questions that fall within the natural law and reason. The infallibility of the magisterium of the pastors extends to all the elements of doctrine, including the moral doctrine, without which the saving truths of the faith cannot be preserved, expounded, or observed. This brings us to the end of our reading selection, the end of our episode. Thanks for joining me for another week. Between this week and next week's episode, please pray for me. I'll be praying for you. And in the meantime, God bless you. Thanks for joining me this week on Catholic Light. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your family and your friends, and connect with me through Facebook and Instagram. 
I'll see you next week. And in the meantime, God bless you.